0: I'll launch into John chapter, John chapter 21 this morning, and if they could just bring that John chapter 21 reading up, that would uh, get me to where I need to be and, 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 and get rolling a little bit this morning. But uh, you're, you're either that guy, or you're the person who says, don't be that guy, right? In, in your mind's eye, sometimes you say, don't be that guy the guy who knows everything, the guy who speaks before he listens, the guy who always has to have his opinion as the first opinion and the loudest opinion and the greatest opinion. And you, and you say to yourself, don't be that guy. And sometimes I'm that guy because the way I talk and the way I think, my mind moves very quickly, I talk very quickly, and I always want to have something to say. And, and that's part of being a pastor, it's part of the way I'm wired from my family, but There's there's sometimes when I'm doing my thing and I'll say, Tim, don't be that guy. It's time to be quiet. It's time to listen. You don't need to speak. Your voice doesn't need to be the first voice, the loudest voice, the most influential voice. Don't be that guy. And man, I struggle with that. that. That's just part of my nature. I can't tell you the things I've apologized for in my life over and over, but typically it's something to do with my mouth. It's almost always something to do with over-speaking, over-sharing, those those kind of things. That's just my own kind of pet little sins. When the sins go into the sin corral, that's where my TK's corral is at the mouth. That's where my my problem is. And so I'm acutely aware of that kind of stuff around me as well. And people will be talking, I'll be speaking and listening and, and conversation and there's something in the back of my mind that says, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, come on, don't be that guy, don't do that. And then the person launches into this thing, and you're like, great, great, thank you. Just what I wanted to do here at Walmart was unload your whole life. I'm here to, you know, get what I need to do to plant flowers in my backyard, and you have just unloaded your whole life in your pastor's hand, and, and what do you do, right? Right? Could you please shut up, call me, make an appointment, and we'll work through this. I mean, I would never. That's not cool. That's not how a pastor operates. But you're you just kind of like, now what? They've unloaded their whole life and laid it out bare. Now what do, you, what do you do? In our text today from John chapter 21, you have that guy, Peter, and the guy saying, don't be that guy in Jesus. And this piece of the guys fishing on the boat is just surreal. I love to go fishing. I love to be in the boat. It used to be it was fun to catch fish. Now it's fun to just push away from the shore and ride in the boat. Maybe you catch fish and maybe you don't. When we fish in Minnesota, we fish with a gentleman named Monroe and Monroe's very quiet. But Monroe always has extra rods and extra reels. He's always got bait that he's done the right thing for. His minnows have the right color, the leeches are long and it's just great to fish with him. But he's a man of few words. How's it going Monroe? Well, we'll we'll see. It's beautiful day today. Yeah, beautiful day. Minnesota sky's blue and the clouds are fluffy. Right, white, white, white clouds fluffy. Uh, blue, blue sky. Great Tim. If you shut up and fish, we'd catch more fish. Just, but we always catch fish with him. He always knows where to go. And the time on the boat the time reflecting, of talking, of, of just sharing life together, whether it's in big conversations like my father-in-law and I, or whether it's in little snippets of conversation because of that's the way Monroe is when he's driving the boat. It doesn't matter. What's cool is just being there with the guys and baiting the hook and throw it in the water and seeing what God will do if He'll bring a nice big fish to the surface or if you're just going to fish and feed the fish with the bait you bought. But but this story in John chapter 21 is of that kind of beautiful, intimate, human-to-human, heart-to-heart conversation, and I just absolutely love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's moving to me. It's, it's, it's something that I relate to, and I hope as I read it, you do, you do too. This is um, John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1 through 14, and once I get myself organized here... I' read it Here we go. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way: Simon Peter, Thomas, known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. "I'm going out to fish," Simon Peter told them, and they said, "We'll go with you." So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and Peter jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Peter was that guy. Every time it came time to kind of knuckle down and do something smart, Peter did something dumb. Whenever it came time to stand up and be counted, it seemed Peter was kind of shooting off his mouth. He, Peter, in, in, in Luke's gospel, they're having a conversation, and, and Peter stands up and says, uh, Lord, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you're the man, and flesh and blood is not revealed. You, you are the man, Jesus. You're the Messiah. We know it. We believe it. And, and then two sentences later, Jesus is looking at Peter and says, you, "You get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance and a stumbling block to It's Peter who stands up as that guy and says, you know what? All these other 11 disciples are going to leave you, but me, Peter the Rock, I'll be here. On Friday night, before you die, Jesus, I'll be there. I'll be standing up. I'll have it all together. I'll be the one. And then before the rooster crowed three times, Peter was denied, denied the Lord. He was that guy. Every time it seems. Something good followed by something bad. Something that should have been kind of organized and ordered and contained. And Peter kind of let the monkeys out of the barrel. It's just kind of how it works with Peter. And with me and maybe with some of you. Don't be that guy. And yet there's that guy in the boat. They went back to fishing. The disciples went back to what they were good at, what they knew, what what they had figured out. They had a boat. They knew the bait. They knew the lake. They made a living fishing. So instead of following Jesus at this point, they said, let's go fishing. It's almost like they're sitting in the garage saying, what do we do? And, And Peter says, I don't know. We got a boat. We got some bait. Let's go fishing. And maybe they were just trying to get back to life being normal instead of life being as chaotic as it had been the previous two weeks after Jesus' death. But Peter had to deal with being that guy. And I don't know about you, but there's some shame in that for me after I've said something to somebody and been hurtful or painful to them. When they have said about me, Pastor Tim, don't be that guy, and I've been that guy. There's something about just kind of keeping your head down. You see that person and you're like, And we remember what we said, and we remember how it worked, and we remember what it looked like. We probably even can paint the the scene in our mind's eye when we were that guy. And then we see that person, and there's regret and shame and a deep desire to want to kind of mend that relationship. And so as Peter and John are working in the boat, you wonder what's going through Peter's mind if Peter's saying... And then the voice comes, throw the net on the other side of the boat. I never can figure out whether that's sarcastic or not. And I read through some stuff. No one rather knows. But it seems sarcastic. If you've been fishing all night, some know it all from the beach. He goes, i throw the net on the other side. And then Peter and John in the bottom of that boat, they look at one another. It's the only brothers in Christ can do. They nod and they say, it is the Lord. And what streams through Peter's mind probably that Friday night two weeks ago, where he had said, I'll stand up, and he stood back. Where he said, I'll be the tough one, and I'll be the strong one, and he slinked back into the darkness. When he said, Lord, I'll stand with you above all else, and he slunk back and left that courtyard in tears because of what he had done, and how he had lost his foothold with the Lord Jesus. If you are that guy or you've been that guy. This story is for you. I always wonder why Jesus didn't just bring lightning down from heaven on his disciples and all those things. Why why in Easter, he comes out of a tomb, he doesn't come down from above. (laughs) Because if he was ever going to come down and blast some people for being wrong and deserting him and all that stuff, it could have started with Peter, and it could have ended with Thomas and Judas and the boys, maybe John at the end, but he could have smoked them. He could have sent a nuclear tip torpedo out to the Sea of Galilee and nuked that boat and said, Now who's boss? But Jesus doesn't. For that guy that day, Jesus comes into his reality and says, I love you. He says, We're going to cook breakfast, bring some fish. He says, Let's hang out. Let's talk and tell stories like fishermen do and like people do around the lake when they share a shore lunch. Let's sit and remember the miracles and the stories and the time together. Let's be close. And so in the middle of that story where Peter had been loud and, and, and the Lord kind of puts Peter to the side. And that marvelous piece of scripture, it's just so, so moving. As Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus says, do you love me? And then Simon says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. And a third time, do you love me? And then Peter's hurt. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And so Jesus visits in grace that day and not in judgment. He visits with inclusion and not exclusion. He visits with kindness and not fire in his eyes. And at the end of that threefold call back to ministry, he says what he says to Peter the same the first time he saw him. He says, follow me. And he takes a broken guy in a broken place in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and draws him back into a healthy, beautiful place. And says, Peter, not only are you going to follow me, but you're going to give your life in service to me. And you might not know it now because you're a young man, but eventually it's going to come around and you're going to be my guy. See, that's the business that Jesus is in. That's what he does. He takes us in those moments of brokenness and pain where we're that guy. And instead of putting it on us and sticking it to us, Jesus reaches into our lives and says, I love you. I heard what you said, I saw what you did but I come with love and not judgment. And that's a function of the cross and what Jesus went through for you and me. He was put on the outside so that we could be on the inside. He was broken so that we could be made whole. He was beaten and and, and betrayed so that our lives could find grace and love in Jesus. And so he comes with that to you and me. For those moments we've said thus and such, for the moments we've been that guy, And Jesus says, I love you, and I'm with you, and come and follow me. He takes away that shame. He takes away that wall. He takes away that border. If Jesus was to see you in Walmart up by the Village of Orange or the Mall of Orange or whatever it is today, if He were to see you in that place, He wouldn't say, if you'd just be quiet, leave me alone. Jesus would say, I love you, and I'm with you and you're with me, and follow me. And so this gospel is for Peter and for all of us who are that guy who Jesus doesn't throw out of the boat, but with whom Jesus lives and dwells. Those of us, all of us, whom he loves. There's one more piece in this story that that I love as well, And um, it's that piece of saying in our mind's eye, dude, that guy drives me nuts. And we all have those people in our lives that drive us insane. I've got a few parishioners that just drive me crazy. They send me 7,000 emails. They, you know, every time on Facebook, it's like, oh, Pastor, I see you're on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, pretty much always on, you know. And sometimes that's hard, right, when there's that person who's offended us, who's said this, who's done that. And we see them, and they have that sense of shame, and we have this like invisible wall that's in front of them, and we're like, just... Maybe at Easter, you went through that with a family member. You're like, come on, man. Can't we just sit and talk about football and baseball and We don't need to talk about politics and argue about religion. We don't need to sin. And And I know you and I know this. And every time at Christmas and Easter we meet, we have this cock. And it's so awkward and it ticks me off. If you could just be quiet one time and we could just get through this without so much pain. Jesus gives a marvelous way to deal with that guy. And it's not in judgment, but it's in love. And from my heart to yours, sometimes that is so hard. To listen instead of talk. To be gracious instead of judgmental. To be kind instead of biting. But Jesus provides that beautiful model of that. That we can kind of look at those people and not necessarily avoid them. But draw them into a a, a warmer relationship and a kinder relationship. I love what he does with Peter and what he does with us. Because he calls us to that same sort of grace in our lives. To be kind to that guy. And to be a person of grace in the world today.